Hi, everybody. My name is Mary-Kate Casey, founder and owner of Prep Performance Center, a physical therapy and sports performance facility in Chicago. I'm a doctor of physical therapy and four-time national championship lacrosse player. My passion and area of expertise is helping young athletes understand the multidisciplinary approach to being a successful athlete, prevent injury, and increase performance. Today, we have Dr. Shane No, who's an orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist. He's the associate professor at Rush University Medical Center, a co-director of the Sports Medicine Fellowship, section head of the Young Adult Hip Surgery, team physician for the Chicago White Sox, Chicago Bulls, Chicago Fire, and the Chicago Steel, and a team physician for the DePaul University, Roosevelt University, and Morton High School, and last but not least, an NHL, NHL, PA, second medical opinion physician. Wow, Dr. No, thank you for being with us and such a great um, pedigree there. Thank you for having me, Mary-Kate. Uh, great to be with you this uh, Friday afternoon. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're here in Chicago. The sun is shining. It's great. Um, I think, but the biggest challenge is it's Memorial Day weekend and we're not everybody can get outside because of this, this quarantine and shelter in place. So um, it's definitely going to be a, a weird beginning to the summer. Uh, that's true. You know, I, I think uh, fortunately and unfortunately, the weather has not been great. I think it's been one of the wettest uh, April and April and May that we've had in a long time. So it, it's I think it's kept people in for the most part, which is good right. for our um, shelter in place and quarantining. Yeah, quarantine, um, but uh, hasn't allowed us to you know do the things that we normally want to do. For sure. But hopefully, you know, the, there's lifting restrictions and everything. So hopefully, you know, some of our patients that we're going to talk about can get back out there and enjoy some of those activities. For sure. Um, so tell us a little bit about your your current position and how you interact with athletes of various levels. Um, our focus a little is a little bit more on that youth high school college athlete. But I know you work with, you know, athletes of all ages. Um, yeah. So, um you know, so so currently I am uh, the uh, co-director of the Sports Medicine Fellowship at Rush. I take care of uh, athletes of all ages and levels of competition, uh, anywhere from adolescents to weekend warriors. Um, and, um, you know, I'm also involved with the uh, training and education of our medical students, residents, and fellows. Um, and uh, currently, we are treating uh, patients uh, in the office. Um, you know, we are also doing some telehealth visits as well. Um, but I think in terms of patients, you know, it's, it's been a little bit different recently just because there hasn't been as much activity as we've kind of alluded to. Uh, and so that's definitely changed things quite a bit. Um, I think my treatment philosophy from you know, patients and athletes of whatever the level of activity is that we want to try to uh, find the treatment route and recommendation and plan that kind of fits whatever their needs are and whatever their goals are. Uh, and so that can be very different uh, when you think totally across the spectrum, depending on what their problem is, how severe it is, whether this can be treated with um, a trial of, of anti-inflammatories and therapy, maybe injections. Uh, and then, you know, rarely surgery might be needed. But um, I think in general, you know, I think we put a premium and a high priority in patients maintaining levels of activity and, and healthy and active lifestyles. Uh, and I know that patients are like-minded in, in the way that they want to approach 
these activities. And um, I think our goal is to, to really act as a partner to try to get patients to do what they love doing and, and perform at a level that they want to do so. Right. And I'm sure that that's a little bit difficult right now. Um, you know, what I've been noticing is, you know, I coach lacrosse, but I also, you know, doing physical therapy with some of these athletes. The hardest thing is some of these athletes have kind of taken a little bit of a, a vacation, right, with this quarantine. I think the biggest challenge is coming up this fall to see if these athletes are going to be ready, especially, you know, grade school, high school, college, um, for the demands of fall sport or, you know, whatnot. So what do you think about some of the, you know, the training that some of these athletes can do to prepare themselves? Yeah, uh, Mary-Kate, it's, it's an, actually an interesting question because, um, you know, on the one hand, you know, I've had some patients who, you know, had surgery right before the quarantine, and it actually turns out to be the best time for them. Not, mm -hmm. you know, two months of, like, dedicated rehab solely concentrated on getting them better and allowing them to recover from surgery without either taking time off from school, uh, work, or personal life or anything like that. Like the world has kind of stopped as far as everything else going on. And it's really given them a, an opportunity to just focus on, you know, their health, fitness, and well-being. Uh, and for those patients, it's great. And I also have other patients who, you know, let's say had, you know, treatment, maybe surgery in January. You know, they're kind of going through phase one, phase two, and now they're entering phase three of rehab. And again, this is like the perfect time. I've had some patients who say, this has been awesome. You know, I go to a, you know, fitness facility where I'm working with a physical therapist. Nobody else is there. I've got the whole gym to myself. I use all right. this equipment at, uh, you know, at my leisure, at my whim. Uh, and it's been excellent. You know, but at the same time, I have some other um, uh, patients or athletes who, um, you know, are basically, like you said, just kind of shut down, not only in terms of their uh, rehabilitation and physical activity, uh, but they may not have the access or the resources or the equipment to be able to do things on their own. Or um, maybe they just kind of have lost a little bit of that you know, either motivation or they just don't have uh, the structure of coaches, teams, and other other players encouraging one another uh, that they that that as you mentioned may not be ready for you know upcoming more rigorous competitions. And I think the difficulty is that we don't really have a great timeline. Nobody knows when things are going to come back online. And so, fall sports, for example, you know, some of the schools don't even know if they're going to offer fall sports. So it kind right. of keeps everybody in limbo, and so they just don't know to what extent they should be training, should they be preparing or not. And and I, I think it it's you know we're seeing all sorts of things, which I'm I'm sure you are as well. Right, and and there's kind of the the two sides again. To go off of that is I've seen that this break is really great for our athletes who very <laughs> often experience the overuse injuries. Um, you know, it's been helpful for them to kind of really work on their strength and conditioning and not necessarily have the overuse of so many hours of soccer or lacrosse or basketball. Um, but on the flip side, they're also maybe not getting the frequency and the intensity um, of some of the sprinting or, you know, running or the endurance. And so, you know, I was speaking with somebody else and um, 
I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for some of these kids going into the fall and, you know, just getting back into it is making sure that when they pick up the speed, um, they're ready for it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and as you're mentioning it, you know, a lot of these high school and collegiate athletes are basically training year round and they've basically been forced to stop. Uh, and, you know, whether or not they're continuing with their own training independently, I think can very, uh, but I, I guess it's similar to when we're, you know, seeing our, our, you know, athletes who are about to enter their season and, and you know, getting back into, you know, let's put spring training or preseason, uh, where they're coming off from like, you know, maybe not training as hard or as regularly, and we're really trying to onboard them onto like their, their respective sports in a way that is safe and, you know, going to allow them to be properly conditioned to not uh, risk a potential injury. Right. 100%. And I think it's, you know, it's interesting to, um, you know, I have a few friends who are strength coaches for some of the college programs and, you know, they've given their kids a program, but they don't feel real confident that the kids are doing it even at the collegiate level. So um, it's going to be something that, you know, we'll wait and see and see how they do. Um, But hopefully you and I are not picking up the pieces. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, we'll see what we'll see what happens uh, with uh, schools. I think, you know, I, I think in the fall, you know, not back in, in session, then obviously sports are not going to be either. Um, right. You know, so I, I I'm I'm optimistic that we're hopefully heading towards towards some semblance of normalcy, but um, I guess I guess we're going to have to wait and see at this point. Yeah. So. Um... So your specialty is a little bit more of the hip, um, which we're starting to see a little bit of increase in hip pathology, you know, even as young as high school. Um, So can you tell me a little bit about the increase in prevalence and, you know, what are you seeing across the board with sports and and the labrum and everything like that? Um, Yeah, so I I definitely see an increase uh, with hip injuries, hip and pelvic, hip pelvic groin injuries. Um, you know, young patients. And I, I think that one of the reasons why we're seeing more is I think that they're being more readily recognized uh, by providers. And so, you know, I think maybe 15, 20 years ago, we would have called these strains or, you know, muscle tendon injuries or apophyseal injuries. Uh, but I, I think what we're finding is that uh, while those things are obviously the most common types of injuries, you know, those injuries that tend to linger on that start to become more painful, more functionally limiting, uh, more uh, affecting the patient's and athlete's ability to participate in rigorous activities uh, leads us to scrutinize the hip uh, in a little bit more detail. Um, so hip label tears, I think, are becoming more commonly recognized. And I think this in part has to do with this increase in sports specialization as well. Uh, the con- right. yeah, the concept of femoral acetabular impingement syndrome uh, really describes what I would say is a developmental change in the shape of the hip joint. You know, it's it's pretty similar to what we're see what we saw in the pitchers. You know, with young pitchers kind of throwing repetitively, they would develop this humeral retrotorsion, shoulder, right. elbow injuries, and things like that. Uh, but similarly, what we're seeing in the the adolescent athlete, especially those who are specializing 
is that by doing repetitive movements all year round, that this actually may change the shape of the hip. And so rather than being a ball and socket, it becomes not as round. Some people call it an egg shape or a mushroom shape. Um, and if, if the change in the shape, especially during their growth spurt, is compounded by these athletic type movements like twisting, pivoting, impact, and jumping, that this can cause potential injury to the cartilage and labrum. Um, and as this does so over time, repetitively, it can obviously cause pain, it can cause joint inflammation, muscle weakness, and eventually the inability to do the sports or activities that they were accustomed to doing. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, um, I'm, you know, as a physical therapist, seeing more and more come in the door, whether it be, um, you know, presenting as really low back pain, too, is, is kind of always something that I'm treating low back pain, but really it kind of comes back down to the back, uh, to the hip. Um, so screening for the hip problem, um, but also making sure that we, we try to address some of this um, before kids get injured, right? Um, so I guess, you, I know that there's a lot of research out there about ACL injury prevention. Um, is there much research about hip labral injury prevention right now, or is that all still kind of coming about? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, a great question. I mean, I think um, we, we don't really have um, as good of uh, data on hip injury prevention as we do on ACL. Um, I think a couple things come to mind. Uh, one is that if, if we can allow for a period of rest between uh, athletic seasons, I think that that's a, a good thing. I think if we can diversify our activities or the things that we're doing so that we're not specializing and doing the same thing all year round, I think that that can help as well. Uh, but I think in the same way that we prevent ACLs can be applied to the hip as well. Uh, and in right. fact, when I think about hips and patients who are either going, undergoing treatment for hips, it, it is actually very similar to you know, the functional requirements that are needed when uh, patients sustain ACL injuries or at risk of ACL injuries. Uh, and I think that, you know, if we basically apply, you know, similar principles for ACL prevention, I do think that they apply for the hip as well. Um, right. And that and that's good to know. Um, for me, I see a lot of the, the soccer players, I feel like. Um, I don't know, you know, what your statistics look like. Um, but the soccer players are really, to me, a little bit more of that, um, you know, potential candidate for a hip labrum. Um, are you seeing any of that tendency more towards soccer because of the rotation and the planting and the stabilization on one one leg versus the other? Um, for sure. I mean, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I think uh, a couple of our patients today were soccer players. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm just thinking through some of my patients, and you know, they don't often present with hip pain. Um, you know, it's a hamstring strain, or you know, but just like what you're saying, maybe it really is a labral pathology. Um, but he has no hip pain, yeah. you know, uh, but persistent back pain here and there. And so, I in my head, I'm thinking, how can I get ahead of this if it's not labral right now? It, it could be down the line. That's you know? true, 100%. It, it, now that you mentioned that, I, I can think of, I would say, unfortunately, one of the 
I have a, a, a soccer team for which I, I ended up treating three patients yeah. with hip uh, disease this, this past winter. Uh, one of which was a patient who presented mostly with like SI joint and lumbar pain. And that was oh, yeah. kind of the presenting complaint for like months, maybe even a year until it started to, to involve the groin as well. Um, and I, we just had a follow-up visit the other day and she says that post hip surgery that all of her lumbar pain has actually gotten better. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, I literally just treated my patient today. He came in, I haven't seen him in, in weeks cause he's been doing really well. Um, you know, but then I'm like, I really got to focus on this hip a little bit more, the stability. And I think that that's something that, um, that's why it, it came to my head with injury prevention. I don't think any of these kids are, are really doing any sort of rotation or stabilization at their hips. Um, they might not even have the motor control really. So it, it's probably coming more from the lumbar because they don't know how to disassociate through the hip. Um, so that I, I just, you know, it's interesting to kind of talk about and um, think all the different presentations that might be, you know, a potential risk for a labral injury. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I, I think that, you know, and, and, and I'm not sure how much of the programming, you know, in youth sports is focused on, you know, core, trunk, lumbar, and pelvic stabilization exercises. Uh, but uh, I think that, you know, as you said, if there's a, a, a delinking or, or decoupling of the hip from like the, the pelvis and the lumbar and trunk, uh, then that certainly, you know, doesn't bode well for that athlete, you know, moving forward. Right. And, you know, that's so we um, we have actually recently partnered with a soccer program and, um, you know, we've done our research with hamstring and groin injuries in the soccer player, um, low back pain and whatnot. So we're trying to work with them in a injury prevention component um, and also performance just to to say, hey, let's try to get ahead of some of these injuries, especially if some of these kids are potentially going to be, you know, senior in high school and looking to go to go to college because um, some of them are hoping for that. Right. You know? Right. And, and if they don't develop that foundation now, um, and their level of competition, you know, becomes much more elevated at the collegiate level. Um, you know that 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 they could be in for uh, future risks and concerns. Yeah. So I guess one last question, which you know is um, is kind of interesting. Do you treat your professional athletes any different than, um, you know, your your general? young athlete or high school or weekend warrior. Um, you know, what I have always seen is, um, you know, an, an injury is an, is an injury and everyone kind of, everybody has to heal at the same time. Um, so, you know, you work with every, every person, every athlete, um, you know, how does that differ your approach when you, um, you know, are working with somebody in the professional level versus high school or grade school? Um, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's a very uh, it's 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 a tricky question because I think that um, you know obviously for the you know in general you know we want to uh, you know treat these athletes you know that kind of matches what their goals are and, and so forth and um, I I would say that that you know the one thing with professional athletes is that there's such 
well conditioned and they have so much support in terms of trainers and strength coaches and and massage therapists and chiropractors physical therapists physicians uh, they've got like a team around them and so it really they they kind of keep them you know pretty well conditioned uh, and you know obviously they will know when they're up against an injury that doesn't respond to the other treatments that are going that are going on um, the, the difficulty with patients with hip injuries is that you know if we got x-rays or MRIs of like you know all of our professional athletes a lot of them have false positive breeding and so right you know I, I think what, what we're trying to do is we, we want to make sure that we're treating them appropriately and addressing their concerns uh, but at the same time we, we want to be sure that we're correlating whatever their imaging findings are with you know not only their complaints but the problems that they're having um, and so it, it becomes much more tricky because um, I think a lot of times, you know, they've got a lot more at stake in terms of, <clears throat> you know, obviously, you know, financially and, and professionally, there are a lot of things going on that kind of keep them going. Um, and I think, you know, even the college, you know, the way we treat the college kids is a little bit different too, because if they've got, they've got such a finite lifespan in college that if they have an injury that's going on for a season or more than a season you know it could carry over to the next season if it's not dealt with you know relatively efficiently yeah so there's a little bit more um you know uh an expedited plan of care sometimes just to right. get them back on the exactly. field i think i think my challenge you know just with this question is i feel like a lot of youth sports, high school, grade school, they practice and play as if they're in the professional level. You know, there's no breaks, there's no rest from sport. They play year round. Um, and I mean, I'm, it's, it's difficult for me to tell my kids to take a break. And, um, you know, sometimes I always say it's working smarter, not harder. And, you know, you really have to listen to your body. And I feel like sometimes because the professional levels, they have all of these disciplines of healthcare practitioners, um, sometimes they realize that rest is the best medicine, That's true. you know? And, um, so I, I, you know, uh, trying to figure out when you push somebody, because just like you said, the professionals, they have, you know, the financial aspect on the line, they have to get back, they have to get back to work. Um, college, you only have a timeline of four years and then your, your career might be over, um, or your scholarship might not mm -hmm. be renewed, you know, but, I think the biggest challenge for me as a PT and, you know, I'm sure you as a doctor, a lot of these kids aren't going to get better if they don't take the break. Um, and then I always say, listen, we want you to play in college. You know, if that's your goal and you can get there, you got to give yourself the break in high school. You, we can't afford to have a labral injury or an ACL or something, especially if you have five or six that's years right. ahead of you. Yeah, and, and and I guess I guess uh, Mary Kay, what we're what we're both kind of having difficulty with is, you know, the, I think the, the professionals and the college kids are a little bit more straightforward. It's the younger patients who, I think, are a little bit of a struggle because, you know, we don't know, you know, if they're college bound or not, or if they're just playing recreationally or just going to play in high school, um, and you know, I I think at the same time. You know, both the athlete and the family may have 
desire to play beyond high school, but um, that might not happen. It might, right? not, it might happen. not happen. And, you know, yeah. at the same time, it's like, all right, we don't want to, you know, not allow them to play if they have the possibility to do that, you know, and so we want to support them the best we can. But, you know, like, you know, it's, it's challenging because, um, you know, it's just, I guess it's just, it's just different on, on many levels. Yeah, I mean, youth sports, you know, I think one of the statistics I read this year um, or last year was uh, the youth sport injuries increased 50% since 2009. Um, and that obviously, I graduated college in 2009. So it's been really interesting to see. But um, like I said, my niche practice is, is really that adolescent athlete and I am boggled with some of their injuries and just like you said, not every single one of them is going to college, but they, they will not take a break. Um, I, tr I treat gymnasts and they are at risk for a spondylolisthesis and they will not take a break. Um, so it, it's hard, but, you know, I think the best the best we could do is, you know, put you and me and, you know, all the other healthcare practitioners and hopefully we all give the same message and get these kids, you know, to be as safe as possible. Uh, in the future too because you want to run when you're 35 or 40 right. or 50 you know and you know you want to protect and I, your body I think while part of the difficulty mary kate is that the there's such a emphasis on like the I, I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure and emphasis on the timeline you know what i mean like, you know what i mean like this is 100%. junior high high yeah. school um you know and, and if it doesn't happen their senior year like there's like this huge pressure and disappointment and things like that it's interesting but i don't know if you've been watching the last dance but, <laughs> but oh yeah you know when you look at like you know dennis rodman's story and scotty pippen's story um and even michael jordan's story i mean none of these guys had failure or some setback at some point or or late development you right. know look at you know scotty pippen and dennis rodman who really didn't play until college yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, Steve Kerr. I mean, right. you know, it's just perseverance and um, yeah, and I think, you know, that's just the biggest challenge. Youth sports has changed so much, um, but it, I think the biggest thing is we just got to get these kids and incorporating some of the injury prevention that we know is, you know, uh, research and tested and proven to, you know, at least reduce uh, Tommy John injuries or rotator cuff injuries or even the ACL Um you know, and hopefully that's, you know, something that's going to keep these kids a little bit Definitely. safer on the field. I think field. that's going to be our challenge. I think moving forward is trying to work within the current environment and, and you know, to what extent we can help to minimize risk and preservation of their joints so that they can have a lifelong uh, uh, level of activity in their, in their. Yeah. And I mean, that, that brings up a good point and hopefully, you know, some, some club sports or even high schools or, you know, the colleges are really trying to figure out how they can implement injury prevention screening, you know, to, to understand where people are currently and how they might need to change or implement a different program, uh, especially this year coming back from, you know, quarantine shelter in place. Cause it's definitely going to yeah. be different. Yeah. And, and you need Absolutely. To your training I think program. You know that the um, 
you know, from school to school, like it varies tremendously. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I see it based on like you know, the athletes, the budget, put on training support staff. And, um, you know, it, it, it would be nice if there was some level of kind of baseline recommendations that we could provide to, to help uh, a lot of our student athletes. Right. If you can't measure right. it, you can't improve it, right? So, um, well, Dr. No, thank you so much. I know um, we have a lot of great information here. It's been a pleasure having you on. And um, anything else that you want to share? Before uh, we no, I mean, I, you know, I, I think uh, this, this, this will be interesting to see what happens over the next uh, few months. But uh, I'm anxious to see and hopefully we can uh, you know, try to get ahead of it a little bit and you know, provide, you know, more resources, education, right. uh, and, uh, you know, better support for our student athletes, um, you know, heading into the fall. For sure. Um, well, well, good luck with the practice. I hope you guys recover and, you know, come back just as strong as ever. And, um, yeah. you know, thank we you look very much. We appreciate you the opportunity. Thank you.